everybody, and welcome to another edition of RZ Weekly, the podcast that's about to get a different, much, much cooler name as soon as somebody suggests it to us. The Shmooz, Hasicha. What do you think, Molly? As we're talking, you'll come up with a cooler name. By the way, I actually just spoke to somebody who started a podcast called The Shmooz yesterday. The Shmooz so is the name of a very popular website in America about some kind of shirim or something, so that's out. But obviously, we're going to. We're working on, on making ourselves cooler. I don't know. I don't think the cool we, we could do it, but whatever. <laughs> Molly, okay. <laughs> and so we begin our weekly podcast about uh, religious Zionism and orthodoxy and what's going on in Israel generally. Uh, we're going to now uh, um, stop joking around talking about something very serious. We're going to talk about uh, an event that happened over the past week, a, a bit of, about a week ago, but I think there's enough time that we can talk about it and sort of analyze in a broader sense, and what I'm speaking about is this very, very uh, well-known, uh, well-publicized rape that took place in a lot about a week ago. Now, it's very important to notice, actually, this, this rape made international news. It made the New York Times. It was all over the, in the Israeli world. It was very, very prominent in the Israeli press. So, so there's, it's important. I need to start and talk about facts, what we know and what we don't know. So the way it was first described is that it was a gang rape of 30 men raped this, I, I, think, I think it was a 16-year-old girl in a hotel room in a lot. So, but if you follow the news, you realize that that wasn't true at all. Now, I don't mean to minimize, and please understand, I don't minimize in any way whatsoever the idea of rape and that, how terrible of a crime it is. And there was a gang rape, and there were more than 10 people in the room. That's clear. But the number 30, actually, came from a, the, one of the perpetrators, one of the men that was in the room, and they asked him, how come you didn't step in? And he said, oh, there were 30 people there. I couldn't do anything about it, which was clearly a wild exaggeration that has no basis in fact. Okay. Now, what, and another that we know about this is, and again, this is not to absolve anyone involved. It's very clear, very important. Another thing we know about this is that there was very much alcohol involved on the part of the, of the victim, that she, she herself admitted, and this was on the news as well, that she was totally inebriated. She was not conscious, and obviously that, made the, that makes the event even worse. And the country, this isn't the first time this is happening. In fact, it happened last year. It happened in Cyprus. I don't know if you all recall. Johnny, uh, Molly, I assume you recall that there was this yeah. very, very mm-hmm. famous case of these Israelis that were accused of rape. And it turns out in the end, they were exonerated, not because the event didn't happen, but because it was consensual. And uh, the woman, like, she claimed rape because uh, whatever, they mocked her. She didn't like how they responded to her. But this isn't the second year in a row where we see a group of men engaging in a group of Jewish men, Israeli men and young and youths, boys, engaged in a mass sexual activity. And there's a follow-up. Yeah, Ruby, yeah. I just want to add, again, Please. unless I'm the story, there also seems to have been this indication that men were waiting outside the door, right? Waiting their turn, as it were. Waiting their turn, which to me also, I think, needs to be noted because there's something very... Wrong. Chilling. Correct. Something, right. And that's the, really, the, that's really the, what we want. And that nobody stopped it, that people knew it, that people were, nobody, like they were, people were aware of what was happening and it was just Well, the kind men of, were aware. The question is whether yeah. other people were aware. Correct. But, you know, no, nobody stepped in to say, like, like they, you're literally waiting online. There's something about that that's just. Well, that, that, that's exactly what we want to talk about. Well, we live in a society and, like, obviously you would say, okay, there's a police and we should take care, take care of that. But I think... From my perspective, I think of, of the religious Zionist movement has a role. The religious community has a role in this, 
in, in Israeli society. And it really does have a role in Israeli society in a sense that, it, it, and it plays that role often very well. That like the Haredim, they say, okay, that's not us. We don't like, it's disgusting. We don't have anything to do with that. We live in our, in our enclaves and we, we don't really have something to say about that, even though they do. And I'll talk about that later. Whereas the religious Zionist community says, oh, we're part of society. We have a role in society. And we should have a say in the moral makeup of our society. We want to have a say. And yet, after this event, you didn't hear any voices, maybe because on vacation, I don't know, but you haven't heard any voices coming along and saying, wh where, what is our role? What's wrong with our society in that our men, our boys, whether they're religious or not, I don't know how religious they are, I really don't know anything about them, our boys are, are, are perpetrating these behaviors where have we gone wrong and how is we a community, how, how can we as a community somehow have a voice in this discussion, have a voice in this conversation? That's why I wanted to talk about this issue. We're not policemen. We're obviously, we, you know, like if I, I'll just say it once and let's assume it for the entire conversation. Rape is a horrible, horrible, heinous crime and we should talk about that. Okay. Secondly, Molly, I want to bring up specifically with you and I'm sure you're going to have a lot to say. I want to talk about the idea of like, now, this girl is not responsible. She's a victim. She, a crime was perpetrated against her. But that does not absolve or, or remove the fact that the, here's a teenage girl who went to a lot with a friend, went to a hotel, and got slammed drunk. I could decach that she literally was not able to say no. I mean, according to her own admission. And what does it say about a society where it's acceptable to allow teenagers to go and behave in such a way that makes them ripe to be victims of terrible crimes like this. Those are the two things I would like. I'm turning to Molly, our resident social worker, and then we'll turn to Rav Johnny. What the heck is going on that men think that this is okay or even in the realm of acceptable sexual behavior? Right. So, no, I, I think that you're right. I, I agree with you how you're framing it. One of the things I just want to say, because I want to put it on the record, because I feel very strongly about it, is that I think the Israeli justice system, um, as far as the, as, as the little that I know about it, has a lot of, um, there, there's a lot of improvement that can be done in that area. The, 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 um, the, um, the types of, um, um, what's it called? Sentencing that happens. Um, the... the there's a lot that could be improved in the criminal justice system, and I think that I just want to say that because I feel it very strongly. I saw a post from uh, a friend of mine on Facebook who works for Magain, who and in the past has worked for Jewish Community um, Watch, and she works day and night with the Israeli justice system here, and um, I, I find that extremely frustrating and and you mean vis a vis sexual topic. crime and rape. That sexual cri sexual crime, all sexual abuse, sexual abuse against minors, um, rape. Uh, domestic violence, all, all of these areas, well, sexual abuse, all kinds of sexual abuse. Um, and that's something that's disturbed me very much. I know that's not the topic, but but it, to me, it screamed out to be said, like, if, if I, if I want to change something, I, I really do think that the, the, that the justice system needs to be a place where it starts. Um, I, 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 and another, maybe this is like a bridge, something that for me was a very much a turning point in terms of the justice system and the culture. If you guys remember the um, the case against, um, I don't even remember the abuser's name, which is good because it's better that I remember the survivor's name than the, the abuser's name, but Allie Raisman, who was a um, gymnast, um, they discussed, right? There was a case of a doctor who, who had- a famous doctor who abused all yes, those gymnasts. Yeah. Sexually assaulted and abused 
I don't remember the number, but but many, many, many gymnasts. And the, the, the judge in that case, what she did was that she provided an opportunity for the survivors to stand up in court, look their abuser in the, in the eye and speak. And that was very, very empowering for them. Um, and I think that that was like a watershed moment in terms of um, um, awareness in the states in, to a certain degree. I think, you know, th th this is an area that there always can be more education around. But that mo I wish we had something like that in Israel, because I think, unfortunately, um, that we, we need a lot more education. Um, to your point about the larger culture, I agree with you. I think that what's lacking. Molly, I want to I want to I want to. I want to pick no, no, you want you want to look back I want to look back I want yeah. to focus. I don't want to talk about I, I know you want like you mentioned the there's a macho attitude in Israel, Middle Eastern men, virility, etc. I didn't say that. I get that I didn't sense. Say that. Okay, maybe you didn't mean that. And I I think you're no, right. I, didn't mean I don't that. know anything about the justice system. I I really don't know anything about that. I, I'm talking but about I'm the justice mostly, system. I'm not talking about the yeah. I'm, I just I, I want to focus ahead. on this issue, this event that happened not once but not twice. And I'm sure a thousand Correct. more times that you don't hear about, literally, okay, where men see this kind of behavior as appropriate, as acceptable. Right. So, okay. So, so that's where I agree with you. I think that we that um, we have to talk about a Jewish sexual ethic, right? I mean, you're, you're saying like, what can we do as an, as a, as a community? And I think a lot of times the language around this has to do with legality. Is there consent? Isn't there consent? No means no. You have to make sure that there's a yes, right? It's not enough to have a to have a no. You have to also have a yes. And I think those things are all true and important. And I'm not going to um, to negate them. But I think that. Uh, we need more than that. We need more than just is this legal. We need to teach our youth, men and women, what a healthy sexual ethic is. And I think that you're right that we're living in a culture that there, there's a void there, right? The, 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 the sexual ethic of the street, the sexual ethic of the media, the sexual ethic of our culture is really perverse and getting more perverse as time goes on. And it's, it's like horrific. Um, and you had said, you, you know, like uh, you had said before this talking about pornography and the amount of pornography that's being watched now and how mainstream and normative that is. And, and I'm not just talking about adults. I'm talking about teens and I'm talking about Israeli teens and I'm talking about religious Israeli teens and I'm talking about girls as well as boys. I'm getting to and, my point. You, you're, you're, you're stealing my point. But we'll yes, get back to that. I, I, OK, so and, and the problem is that on the other side, there's this and I don't want, I mean, I don't want to say this absolutely, but I would say I would say I would be interested to know what degree you think this is true, but I would definitely say like within Orthodox Judaism, there's the sense that this is something that we talk about bit sneot and that we don't have public discourse about, right? And so you might have a class in high school. You have chalamish, right, which is like chayim mishpacha, whatever they call it, chinuch chayim mishpacha for the for the girls, for for the young women. I don't even know if the 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 boys have it in their high school. A little bit, maybe they talk to them about you know like masturbation because that you know and homosexuality. Those are the hot topics for the boys. But like this is something Sanua and we wait and 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 and. And so there's a void, right? Because where where are our youth learning about sex from and sexual ethics? They're learning if we're not going to step in and have and 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 have a vocal, clear message about what the Jewish sexual ethic is, we're leaving a void, and the the secular culture is going to fill that void, and they are filling it with something that is toxic and perverse, a thousand percent. And so again, I think beyond. Just teaching about, yeah, beyond just teaching about 
what's legal and what's consent and what's, you know, you know, the, again, obviously, I believe in all those things. I started by talking about the justice system, but I think that even more, I don't know if even more than important than that, but certainly as important than that, as you said, um, is, is, is educating towards a Jewish ethic of kedusha, literally kedusha, like that word should be used. When you talk about sexuality, you should be talking about holiness. You should be, I, 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 I have a class, and this is what I teach my Shana students. Um, we should be teaching them about how sex can be used in the context of a holy experience, but that that means that it's reserved and selected, selective and, and only engaged in, 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 the, in the context of a relationship that is intimate, personal, real, um, uh, authentic, committed, and um, obviously respectful. Respectful doesn't even scratch the surface, right? But, but to, again, to use um, Rav Soloveitchik and Martin Buber's term, Soloveitchik says about, and then I'll pass this to Johnny, Soloveitchik talks about what was the chayt of Adam Yerushan? Why were they embarrassed when they saw they were naked? He says because before they, they, their eyes were open, they saw the other, the other sex, right? Adam saw Chava, Chava saw Adam as a, 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 a pure gratification of their physical desire. They saw the other as an it for their eye to be satisfied with, as an object. And, and once they ate from the eight tzadzat, they recognized that they were using the other as an it, just to gratify their sexual desires. And what happened after they ate from the, from the fruit was they needed to learn to see the other as a thou, right? To see the other human being standing in front of them as a human being with whom they could have an exclusive relationship on all levels, emotional, intellectual, metaphysical, um, interpersonal. And only in that context is a sexual relationship um, encouraged and in that context it's sanctified but that all of that needs to be we need to educate towards that we can't just leave a void and allow the sexual ethic of today even even when it's like the best sexual ethic which is like oh anything's okay if it's between two consenting adults that is not what Judaism believes it's just not what Judaism believes not everything anything is okay if it's between two consenting adults we need to fill into that void and we need to talk more honestly, more openly, um, and and in a, in a very real way about about what our sexual ethic is. Rob Johnny, I'll turn it to you. I usually ask you a question and throw you for a loop so you don't get to say what you want to say. So I'll just ask you to comment and respond to what Molly said. And then I'll ask my question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have to say, I mean, I agree with most of the things you said. No, I wouldn't necessarily formulate quite uh, how each of you have necessarily approached the issue, but I'm sick and that we're having this conversation. I want to make this clear. We're talking about a grotesque act that's happened uh, and that's been perpetrated, and not on the first time, by citizens of the country that I call home, which are meant to have an understanding of a moral ethic. We speak about the moral ethic of the IDF. We talk about the certain morality of our country and its citizens. And and, and the grotesqueness of this act makes me shudder. And you're asking a question of how did we get here? So unless we talk to the perpetrators, and let's not shift the conversation, unless we talk to the perpetrators, I don't want to talk for them because anything they've done uh, you know, is so far away from my understanding of, of not, a, not only normal but acceptability. It's, just, it's, it's light years away and something that I want to lock in jail for the rest of their lives. But what I can say is the following. You know, you asked, by the way, how come there wasn't a response? By the way, there were. 
there were plenty of demonstrations in cities yeah. around the uh, uh, around Israel. There were demonstrations the moment it, this event happened and subsequent nights in my neighborhood, in, in many other cities I know of. Now, the truth is, who were they demonstrating against? Right, demonstrations the, for what? What are they demonstrating? No, they were demonstrating their that. shock and horror and against that the, the, this type of event is normalized. Right. And I think it's important that John is pointing it out and it is important that it happened, but it has to go a step beyond the demonstration. There has to be, we have to think, you know, the, I'm going I'm to I'm let Johnny keep talking. But yes. And until, until it's clear uh, whom we, who is being prosecuted, as you say, there's an ongoing investigation. And sometimes you actually have to allow the justice system to, to do what's right. But during that point, not just uh, a general society, but certainly a Jewish society, needs to feel responsibility to stand up and scream, Animoche. I object that this is happening. I object that this is happening no matter whatever factors will eventually be revealed, no matter however many people were in the room, weren't in the room, what the management did. Because this, if that's happening on our watch as a civilized society, we've done something wrong. We've allowed bad things to happen. Now, you talked about uh, drinking, and, and, uh, and, and uh, Mali also alluded to the Larry Nasser case, and as a fan of Malcolm Gladwell, he talks about both of these in his book, Talking to Strangers, although, before proceeding, I should make it clear that I, I, he shouldn't be misinterpreted, nor should I. The fact that drinking may explain certain uh, absences in terms of the awareness of people does not, in the slightest, justify in the slightest any act of aggression or rep rape in the slightest right i have to also say if that wasn't clear that i think that that i agree it's with clear, that it's clear i think it should register no but, but it's but very no. important because i think it's very important sometimes there are things you have to say actively and i yeah, think that's, that's true one of but johnny my, my only response is that israeli society if it had become clear that the woman was was a was cons that the act was consensual this, none of this would have made the news nobody we wouldn't hear anything about it Correct? first and foremost you know you mentioned the the cyprus case that they claimed that the act was consensual. I, I'm, I'm, unless I'm mistaken. Do you, I do you remember, by the way, they came home all with yarmulkes on their heads. They came back to Ben Gurion. They, they, they were singing and dancing that, because the they were acquitted, is, which was kind of revolt, not kind of, which was revolting. Revolting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. but uh, what? what the but there is still a difference. There is still a difference. I think it's important to say there is still a difference between if it was consensual no, and if it was. Of course, there's a difference. Right. Okay. What you claim to be the case and what. But it doesn't it's, it's both, but it doesn't mean that what, what happened there wasn't also immoral. Correct. Sorry, Johnny. We're going to let you we, 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 stop talking. Yeah. Okay. We're talking about something which is, you know, makes me sick to, to the stomach, which is grotesque, which has happened in our society, which no matter the factors that may well have been contributory, the ultimate factors are a bunch of animals who did something disgusting and have likely ruined that young girl's life forever. I just on the news last night, they interviewed a victim of rape and she said, look, you know, I, I'm trying, I want to try and teach people that you can move on. But this happened quite a few years back and, and she's still massively suffering. She also pointed out, and this goes back to Mali's point, that uh, the provision of, of rooms to help victims of rape are far too few and far too far, such that if somebody does undergo uh, doesn't go. It's such a terrible turn of phrase. Does it, it is raped? Then, um, then uh, they shouldn't have to travel like an hour in order to see somebody. And if they're lucky, to get the right professional who may treat them with dignity. That's just not good enough. So, I mean, if you ask me, how could this happen? 
I, I'm not, Baruch Hashem, I'm nothing close to like these perpetrators. I'm not going to answer for them. I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish to. If you want to know, uh, are there a variety of factors which include the kind of objectification of women, drink, I'm sure there are factors which may make certain people who have no moral compass whatsoever think they can treat any person, any woman, like a piece of meat that they are using without, it's just, but I'm, I'm not here to speak for them, I don't want to. Um, what we need to say very, very clearly, whomever we are, especially speaking for the religious community, which by the way has also suffered within our communities plenty issues of misappropriate behavior, right? And that's happened sometimes on our watch or closer to home, is I object and I'll do what I can to make our society a slightly better place. And whatever that may be, in terms of education of our kids, in terms of encouraging better education in schools, that needs to happen. Tachlis is, as a father of daughters, my job begins by recognizing the need to have conversations in the home. We can outsource what we wish into schools, but we need to begin by making clear what is acceptable and what is not. And from the youngest of age, subliminally, meaning through illusion, and as conversations get more mature, as children get more mature, more directly. I, I, I can't describe the depth to which I feel this is an absolute responsibility of parents beyond that, obviously, of other educational providers. And so that we should avoid, in, in all ways, bad things. And when bad things happen, we should know there are bad things, which, by the way, doesn't always happen. Um, uh, and we should educate people that if they think bad things are happening, they should do everything within their uh, power to stop them and to help people. Thank you, Johnny. So Ma Molly alluded to I, I have, Molly alluded to something that we had talked about before that I had mentioned on our internal uh, WhatsApp group. The thing that really caught my mind was that what people were sharing afterwards in the on on Facebook, they were sharing a WhatsApp group where people were were searching on Pornhub for a lot, i.e., they were horrified that there were people that were trying to find the video from this event. Ugh. Okay? That's a horrific in and of itself. But what bothered me was, stepping back, was the fact that there was no sense of, of I would say, shame or at least privacy or lack of awareness that a, that a, that a portal called Pornhub even, Pornhub even exists. And that made it like very clear to me that, that this... Reality, I, I, I have to tell you, take you back. I, I was an adolescent boy once, and we used to have this thing, anybody listening who's under the age of, I don't know, 35, we used to have this thing called the video store. Did you ever like have a video store when you were growing up, Johnny? Did they have those in, uh, in England when you were growing Blockbusters, up? Blockbusters, yeah. Blockbusters. Okay. Oh, before Blockbuster, there was this other vid thing called like the family video store. Okay, and the family video store divided between the two kinds of videos that you could see. There were like the regular videos, you know, that, you know, anywhere from rated G from Bambi all the way to rated R. And you like, you know, you would like walk over and kind of look at it or not. And then there was this like curtain. And behind the curtain was this whole other section that nobody would be, you know, unless you were like, you know, a 35 year old man, you wouldn't, you would be too embarrassed to go in there. Okay. That, that was the wall. That was, there was like a line of demarcation between what was appropriate and what's not. Yeah. And it's, it's, you understand where I'm going, Molly? And it's, uh, it's yeah. very clear that that line is gone. Because that line yeah. is on your phone and it doesn't exist anymore. Okay? It just doesn't exist anymore at all. 
And then it, it just makes me very clear that, and that our society is not, I don't think we're addicted to pornography. There are certain people that are. I think that we have normalized it to the point where, and, and I don't care if you're religious or not, Molly said female, definitely male. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it has penetrated all areas of, of society. It's totally prevalent all the time. And, uh, and, and, and all ages, no one is, is uh, I can say, considers themselves, can consider themselves immune from it because it's a tavak. It's a baruch who, you know, instilled in us this tavak. It's like, it's there. But it's become so normalized that there's no lines anymore. And why I think this is so dangerous, I believe that these events are so dangerous because if you would ask these guys, you could consider yourselves rapists. They would say, chas v'shalom, I don't, I rape, God forbid. It's like, but, you know, legally, to have, you know, group sex, like 10 of you, with a drunk girl, that's, that's legally rape. Yeah, but in their mind, they've been watching this literally probably dozens, if not hundreds of times over the last year. And that's normal. And so why wouldn't they want to act out something they've watched over and over and over again and nobody said anything, they shared it with all their friends. So how can one, a society on the one hand allow, permit, encourage, look the other way, share the, a kind of behavior, and then uh, when people actually do it, then condemn it and say, how could you do such a thing? You guys are animals. This is a, it's a problem, this normalization. I'm going to say something. Let me finish my point and then I'll, I'll sure. send it back to you. Pornography is destructive not only because it manipulates what people's sexual expectations are and behavior. It is a culture of, it, it promotes a culture of self-gratification. That, this alludes to what Molly said before, the I and the thou. That sex is there for me to get everything I can out of it. And um, you know, the more women, the better, the more voluptuous, the more, self -sat the more satisfying, the better. It's all about me. Whereas the Torah ethic of sexuality is entirely the opposite. It's about giving, it's about giving pleasure, it's about, about sharing with the other, it's about intimacy, much more than the act and, uh, and the sexual pleasure itself, which is of course important. And I think that as a religious society, as a religious culture, I'm very disappointed that no, no voice got up and said, like, Hever, where are we? Like, no, no rabbi got up and said, like, maybe they're just on vacation or too afraid to talk about it. But to get up and say, what is this doing to our society in general, to all of us as religious people and non-religious people? Because I think there is, I don't know, a silent majority of people that's, that agree that this is not something that's good for us as a society, as a people, as a nation. And I want to add one more point. If I recall correctly, there was an attempt in the Knesset. Like, I read this book once. Uh, Johnny, you'll know the name of the book. It's slipping my mind. And the whole point of the book was, it's a book about economics. The whole point of the book was that people very often, they're very happy with the default choice that they have in whatever choice they're going to make. And it takes a lot of energy and effort to switch the default choice. And if you want to, like, you know, like, Johnny, you know what I'm talking about? You know, you know what book I'm talking about? No, you don't remember. I'll remember the book while you guys are talking. I'll look it up. And the example that he gave was, the example that he gave, I know I'm going a little off. It sounds like I'm going up, but it's not. They wanted to get people to sign up for pensions. So if, when you signed up for a job, if you had this form and you had to fill out a thing and sign up for a pension, like 5% of the people signed up for a pension. 
But if you made it like the default was you signed up for a pension, if you didn't want to, you could just say, no, I don't want to sign up. And you just fill out a form. Like 85% of the people signed up for a pension. And so there, there was an attempt at a law, passing a law, I don't remember if it was a religious or not, to instead of making the default internet of pornography open, that when you order internet, the default that it's, is that it's closed. And you have every right to open it if you want. You can do whatever you want. But what's the default? And I think about that a lot because if you want to stop seeing these things happening, if you change the default from open to closed and you make people say actively, yes, this is something I want, then let them say it if they want to. It's a free country. They can do whatever they want. You would have a drastic and dramatic effect on society over time. That's something that I believe in. And I'm waiting for our community to speak about it, not as religious Jews, but as human beings. To talk about the fact that, you know, that, that sexuality is, tzni'ut and sexuality is not a from thing, it's a human thing. And that's something that we have to promote as a community and a society. Johnny, you wanted to say something, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just trying to understand kind of where you've taken the conversation. I mean, it should be pretty darned obvious that I object to all, all forms of pornography, you know, individually, societally. That's, that's a, I hope, move on, love. But well, you well, seem to I be mean, do you think, do you, I, I mean, one, you one as second, a religious no. person, yes, but it's, it's uh, society, secular society? I, I, I object to absolutely objectification. No, no, I'm saying, I, does, absolutely. does broader society object to it? I, I can't. <laughs> Listen, the fact is that, you know, the broader society is a marketplace, and unfortunately there's a market, so it's hard to say they do that broader society. Nevertheless, what you seem to be suggesting is uh, violence against women, rape, is a deduction from pornography. Now, I'm sure there are studies about the relationship between the two. I don't have those studies, so I can't comment. What I would say, and not to in any which way defend, promote pornography, is I think they're slightly different things. I think pornography is a bad, bad thing which objectifies women. And I think rape, which is violence against women, is a bad, bad, bad thing. Wait, wait, wait a second. You're, mis you're misunderstanding. What I was trying to say is, I believe, and I don't know if this is true. I could be wrong. But I believe you'd ask the men in Cyprus. Like, leave the men in Cyprus. Not, not the people in Oila. I don't know what happened in Oila. I don't know what happened in Cyprus. And they say it was consensual. But it's still a problem. It's consensual to act like that. Correct? Where does that Firstly, come they, from? Firstly, they say, again... I, I, now, she admitted it was my... consensual. Meaning, she admitted no, it was she, consensual. No, she... She, 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 she says that she was told to admit. Again, that, what, okay, whatever. I'm not, I'm not a liar. I'm not here to uh, probe the case. But nevertheless, okay, let, let's just take, shall we say, a, a, a made-up example, but, but comparable to that. So your question is what these guys would what? I'm like, my question is what underlying attitude would instill in these guys, and there are many others that I'm sure exist, that this is something that's not appropriate, but this is something that's good to do. This is something that I want to do. Where would that come from? I know they're talking yeah. about consensual sex between, uh, between adults. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? Molly, do you understand what I'm saying? Am I, like, I do, I do. I think what Johnny's uncomfortable with, and I think that we have to make it very clear, I don't think this is what you're saying, Ruby. I think what, what, what like, we, we, we don't, we, what we would not agree with, and I don't think this is what you're saying, is... Well, we understand why these men would behave this way because this is the culture, and therefore, like, no, I, 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 right? I'm not saying that at all. Their, I don't yeah, understand. Their hackles up because it's like, oh, are you saying? You know, it's like, 
this idea, like, are you saying that the woman asked for it because she was drunk? And that, with that, you have to tr draw a very clear line no, and of say, course not. I'm not saying that at all. Right? Be clear. I'm not it's not right. And I know you're not saying that at all, but I think that's like, we, we have to make that clear. I happen to agree with you, Ruby. I happen to agree with you. I, I think that, um, by the way, in terms of your question, I have an article here that, that I had saved a long time ago. So I thought, thought it was really good. Um, it's called one man, how I stopped watching porn for a year and why I'm not going back. And in that article, he talks about the impacts of, por of porn. A lot of studies have been conducted on the impacts of porn on men and women in society. Of these impacts, three three most resonated with him. One, first one is violence against women. Okay. Women. So Who's an obsession with looking at women rather than interacting with them. An attitude in which women are viewed as object of men's sexual desire. And, the and this is what Ruby's talking about. The trivialization of rape and widespread acceptance of rape culture fueled by fake deceptions, depictions of women in porn videos, often pretending to desire violent and abusive sexual acts. Then comes so, so numbness I'm just saying something intuitively that's obvious to me. Fear of intimacy. Would, would, would clearly back that up. That's what you're right. saying. Right. So I'm saying that I agree with you. I, I, I agree with you very strongly that alongside, right, um, the conversations that, that, that happen in the mainstream about, as, you're, as you know, consent and about... Um, saying that it's never okay, and that there's, the, you know, the, there's nothing a woman could possibly do to justify to 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 make this act okay. Alongside that conversation, we should be having a conversation about sexual ethics. And I 100% agree with you. And before I framed it as Jewish sexual ethics, but I happen to think it's in general, as I said before, there is there is no sexual ethic anymore. There isn't, and and I think that we need to reintroduce a sexual ethic into the conversation. So I, I would, so I think that that I would totally agree with you. And you, you bring a point that I forgot to mention, or I would want to add that forgetting what governments should do, this is a conversation that parents, fathers have to have with their sons, and mothers should have with their daughters. I'll leave it at that. Right. That and I, I that, yeah, that okay. understand like, and I talk to my kids about that. We've talked about this before. What's the underlying message of the culture right. that you're watching? What's the message? underneath the message are you aware of it and when your friends send you or when you want to or when you watch something a porno pornography what message is that sending to you and just be aware forget, of that forget that pornography right it's another thing you sent to me right you're like look at the billboard number one song i won't last like last week i won't say the name of the billboard number one song today but it's it's pornography. <laughs> I didn't even bring it. I forgot to bring it up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's being, it's being, and this is a different topic, right? I'm, I'm, I, I'm now veering a little bit, but I want to say it because if I'm going to talk about championing a sexual ethic, then I'm going to be comfortable coming out and saying that it's not empowering to, for, to women to run around acting like prostitutes. That's not women's empowerment. And if you remember, there was a long conversation during the halftime show. I think it was J-Lo and I forgot who else. There were yeah, two. thank God I sleep there. I sleep in the super. It was so. okay, and there was a big conversation. Are they taking back their bodies? And it's empowering, and it's athleticism, and how proud they are, and they're forty-year-old, they're they're older women, and, and look how strong they are. That's all wonderful and fabulous. But you know what? We can also call a, say, a spade a spade and say, revealing that much that much of your body, moving your body in provocative ways, is. And not part of a sexual ethic that we believe in. And I wouldn't, I would say, this, by the way, I would say the same for men. Okay? If men getting up in Speedos doing Chippendales dancing at the Super Bowl, I would find that inappropriate. So I'll find it inappropriate for men and I'll find it inappropriate for women. And so 
this whole culture that like, you know, I can I, I can talk about my bodily functions, my sexual bodily functions, and and that's empowering. And what again, what five years ago, ten years ago, fifteen years ago would have been labeled pornography. There's no question in my mind. It's pornographic. And the only reason I saw parts of this video and heard parts of the song was because I watched an editorial discussing this song, right? This again, number one, you can look it up. It's like you you sent me the link. It's the number one, you know, billboard popular song and it's being praised by people as being empowering of women it is pornographic and disgusting and i'm comfortable saying that and i'm comfortable saying there's something wrong with the culture that is not willing to say this is not healthy it's not healthy for our young it's not healthy for our little boys and it's not healthy for our little girls it doesn't send any positive message to our children and if we want to empower women then we then then there are ways to empower women and we can empower their strength we can empower their bodies we can give them body positivity we can give them pride in and, and strength and we can give them healthy sexuality and by the way i believe in that i really believe in in um in encouraging women and this this is the flip side of the coin so i'll say this so people understand that that you know i, I have like a nuanced view of of everything right <laughs> yeah. orthodox jewish young women um and this is changing because the culture is changing but very often part of tzni'ut is that they aren't as comfortable with their bodies and with their sexuality, and and they're they're kind of told to ignore it and not really to be in touch with it, and if they do feel it, to be ashamed of it, and that's not healthy either, right? And that's certainly not healthy for young, uh, you know. Now I'm speaking a little bit from like a, a marriage perspective. When you when you teach a woman that she should like kind of disassociate from her body and her physicality and her sexuality, and then you tell her, yeah, but then you're going to get married, and all of a sudden, boom, now you're a sexual creature. That's not healthy either. So we should find a way to to teach our women, and again, also our, our men, also our young men, to be in touch with their sexuality, to be in touch with their bodies, to be in touch with their physicality, to be proud of it. But the line between that and, um, and, and unhealthy sexual ethos and ethics um, needs to be defined, and it needs to be, we need to educate towards it, because it, it, the, the two extremes, are, neither extreme is a good place and and I am very bothered by the extreme that I see on the on the permissive side. Johnny, do you think that we as a religious community have a have the ability to have a say in this society about this, or not really? Like, I mean, with the best of respect to both, I'm listening to this and saying, okay, so we're preaching to each other converted, right? We're all, I'd hope, right. pretty responsible parents, and we're involved in education. We've thought about these things, and we have strong views, but. Tachlis is. I, I don't know. I, let me say, I don't know if that's true. I think that we're preaching to each other, but I'm not sure it's obvious that we have these conversations with our kids. These are really hard conversations to have. No, no, fair enough. And, and, that, and I appreciate us. And I think it's important that we put that on the table and then say, this is what you know each of us do. And we encourage others to, to do so. And if they want to discuss that with any of us, feel free to be in contact. Nevertheless, you know, we, we, we're talking about a society and then we're discussing what we think be right or wrong and the question is so what are we doing beyond the four walls of our homes or beyond the boundaries our religious should be and you know I've, I've said on a number of occasions on this podcast I'm not quite self-critical about living in an insular community I try and you know make an impact way beyond that but nevertheless I can't deny the fact that sometimes I kind of re retreat and that retreating 
may well be good for me, may well be bad for others. You know, you know did, were you uh, were you able to go to one of these demonstrations? And if not, how else uh, have you uh, or I demonstrated? So I will. You know, I, will I will just say. Ultimately, if we talk about the religious community, we are ambassadors of certain religious uh, communities. I don't know. I just feel and like us. I feel like as an Anglo, I don't have the power of language and the ability to express myself. I just feel that way. I'm, t I'm telling you that's how I feel. In a way that I would if I was a, if I were, if I was a native Israeli. Oh, and come, I'm come on, one second. I I'll, really I'll just, I'll just listen. First and foremost, we're actually, all three of us are pretty good Hebrew speakers. But, but putting that aside for a second, this is a conversation which needs to take place, not just once or twice. As it happens today, in my thought for Daf Yomi, uh, I made an allusion to, to, to rape, I explained a certain cor a, a, um, parallelism between the way the Gemara speaks of a met mitzvah, that you hear the silent call of a dead body. And why the heck are we unable to hear the often silent call of those who are abused and those who are raped? And we treat the dead with tremendous dignity and respect, but societally we don't do that to victims of rape. That's crazy. And that's not made up. That's based on the reality on the ground. It's based on what I read in the newspaper, what I see in the news, the kind of people I speak to. So we each have a chelek in making our wider society better. Whatever language, I don't think that's, that's a factor in the slightest. I, I, I think if we believe we have things to contribute, then it's on our shoulders to make those contributions. Currently, I mean, we're, we're now just for those who are listening, right at the end of August, I don't think we can rely on the government, whomever you, you know, support to be the moral arbiters for the future. We can't rely on the Memshallah to be the voice of morality for our society. We can't rely on, on the, the, just the Rabbanim, right? even you know, those who we think uh, and revere as being great mouthpieces. It comes down to you and me as parents, as educators, as interested parties in this society and beyond. And we need to cry out and we need to cry. We need to cry with the victims and cry out against a world where this is happening, even if we don't yet understand it. That's why I gave a, a, a caveat before saying, I don't know the research. I don't claim to know, so we need to learn more. But if we want to engage in these conversations and do something about it, we need to know that the conversation is only beginning tonight and it needs to continue way beyond our homes and our communities, whatever we can do. And if that be writing letters to newspapers, having videos, right, sharing this podcast for that matter, inviting uh, conversations with other families, going to visit schools, you know, listing uh, support agencies, you know, that's, let's start there. You know, and so that's it, it's really at. interesting because my wife teaches English and she brought up on an English educator's uh, WhatsApp group. How would you talk about this? And, and one of the people said, I don't know if I would bring it up at all. I mean, I, only if the kids brought it up would I necessarily bring it up. And it's an interesting question to what, what, what role do educators have in this conversation? Yeah. And uh, to what I think we should discuss it. The answer to that is yes. And that's why I'm going to go back to what I said before, but I'm going to say it again, which is, again, if we don't speak, we're leaving a void. And that void is being filled by the voices of... Um, by voices that we don't agree with and that are teaching unhealthy messages. And so I agree with Johnny 100%. I think they're, and, and I agree with him also. Again, it's, it's kind of amorphous, but, 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 but it's, a, it's a good place to start. There should, it should be a call to action in communities. 
Um, in my community, I'm on what's called the Sevet Muganut, which is the um, um, it's it's sexual. It's it's to protect. I don't know how you would, how would you translate. I, I, the Sevet Muganut is fine, but the Sevet Muganut right. is oh. reactionary, not exactly. So that's what I was going to say. So when we first when I first joined it, and we, we, we um. I joined it at me and and a, a close friend and neighbor. We were brought on to to change it from being just reactive to being proactive and to br bring educational programming into the community. And the truth is, somebody at at the time on the Tefet on the on the in the group said, "But that's not our mandate. Our mandate is if something happens to make sure that the proper resources are put in place." And we had a conversation and we decided, no, that's not our mandate. Our mandate is also to raise awareness and to increase education and to um, increase dialogue, as Johnny is saying, and to make it and to enable conversation around these issues. I really do think that that's important and to have uncomfortable conversations and to have conversations about topics that make people that people feel instinctively are, are, are uncomfortable because they're kind of icky and be uncomfortable because we're taught, um, especially in Israel, that it's not Sanua. We have to model that we can have these conversations in ways that are tsanua. We can educate in ways that are appropriate, and we should. And, and and Johnny made a very good point before. Also, it's not one conversation, right? Everybody thinks, even with the parenting, right? Did you have the talk with your kid? Mm. That's not. That's not how, there's not the talk, right? And again, we're all big talkers, you know, all of us. How many times have we done this with our own children? But ideally, I'll do it right now, kids, listen to the podcast now. It's all good, uh, right? <laughs> right. But ideally, we should be having ongoing talks about sexuality with our children as they get older and as they mature. It shouldn't just be one, the talk, and now I'm done with it. And in our communities and in our society, I think we need to do that too. And I think, Ruby, you opened with it. And Johnny, you, you, you kind of ended with it. You know, Ruby, you asked, is our society doing enough? Johnny, you answered no. And, and so I, I think we need to, the question is what to do, but let's start by at least acknowledging that there needs to be more dialogue and more conversation and more openness and more awareness and and um, and I and I think more more education of rabbis. This is something that drives me absolutely insane. Rabbis need to be go to good trainings. Um, communities need to have evenings and events, and they need to, to meet in big groups. And they need to meet in small, small groups. And around, and there are so many issues around sexuality. There's so many issues here, right? There's pornography, and there's um, sexual abuse of children, and there's rape, and there's, as you said... Um, you know, Molly, I think if you ever want it to become popularized, you have to turn it around. You can't just say, oh, there's this problem, that problem, this problem, that, pro that problem. Right, Think about, to... in a positive way... Correct. How are we going to educate towards healthy sexuality? Um, and positive, right, you're right. Positive messages, not just negative negatives, but it's also keeping people safe. We have to. We have to. We have to keep our children, our and, and our adults. We have to keep. We have to keep our community safe. Okay, we'll stop here. I want to thank you. I would like to point out that I was one insisted that we talk about it. So at least I get credit for that. And I got you on your soapboxes, which is exactly what I wanted. Um, and uh, and I want to thank you all for your willingness to discuss. It's not an easy thing to talk about a sensitive issue, and uh, to share with us your thoughts. If anybody has comments that they want to share with us. The best way you can private message us on uh, Facebook. All of us are pretty readily available or send us emails and we'll be happy to deal with it if, in a discreet way, of course. I want to thank Molly Brodsky and Rob Johnny Solomon. Uh, we didn't introduce each other, but that's who they are. Uh, did I introduce you this time? I don't remember. We just kind of no, started. It's okay. Okay. Harav Jadi Solomon is a Jewish educator and a teacher oh, at no. seminaries and a writer of blah, yeah. blah, blah. And Molly Brodsky is a licensed social worker and educator. Shana Beth is here. 
at the uh, yep. point. Okay, and the girls are here. Shnebetcha Aleph, in in-house social worker, they are here. They are in Bidud. We're very glad they're here. the same situation. A successful year, a complete year, yeah. and a healthy year as well. All right, Amen. we'll see you all next week. Have a great, great, great week, everybody.